0: This week's episode is brought to you by Fairy Godmother Travel. Contact them to help you plan all of your Disney vacation needs. Again, email Communicore Weekly at FairyGodmotherTravel.com and tell them we sent you. Hello, and welcome to CommuniCore Weekly, the greatest online show and
1: home of the world's first pair of independently born identical twins. I'm George. And I'm Jeff. I'm I'm just kind of right now recovering from my whirlwind couple of weekends that's been going on over here, man. Yeah, scary stuff, like the D23 conference. That was pretty scary, right? That was, oh my, god, terrifying, guys. Terrifying. Yeah. But I think <laughs> we should mention again, because it's so close right now, we're going to be at Dragon Con. Oh! <gasps> Doing a live show that we're going to be woefully unprepared for, but you guys should come watch (laughs) us anyway.
0: Because we've got some sort of confirmation that the Communicore Weekly Orchestra will be there. Yes. That's all we know. They might be kazoos
1: and pots and pans. Hey, you know what? That's okay with me because, (laughs) let's face it, sometimes that music is the best. But, I mean, even just aside from our live show, George and I are on, you know, a handful of panels. Yes. Where's there's like an animated to live action panel on Friday and Tomorrowland on Saturday and I'm doing Gravity Falls and Phineas and Ferb and yeah. what else we got? A Disney theme parks tips and tricks panel. Oh, um, and I'm doing a Six Flags Over Georgia panel. Are you? Yeah, I'm going to Six Flags Over Georgia. I'm totally going to that panel. Yeah. So it's, I'm excited it's gonna about be that one. great. I mean it's, it's
0: gonna be at the park actually.
1: Oh, oh okay. Yeah, not a Dragon Con. Oh although well, you confuse me. Yeah. Well, I heard something about we have to have lots of caffeine and alcohol to survive Dragon Con. I'm confused by that. I'm confused, too, but that's okay. We'll figure it out when we get there. Okay. But seriously, most importantly, we're recording our annual Halloween episode at Dragon Con. It's going to be Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. Uh, I believe it's in the Westin Hotel. I think um, so. I think so, yeah. But a full-on live show. It's going to be great if you guys are going to Dragon Con. I've, we talked to some people on Twitter that changed the day they were going so they can come see our live show, which kind of kind of touches us in the heart i, I really i like that makes me feel all special it does it does it so nice. again if you can't make it well, it'll be our halloween show so you're not going to miss it you'll, you know you'll just hear it in two months time but come <laughs> see us for realsies give us high fives <laughs> high fives or something high fives
0: it's time for Disney history
1: Legend has it, in the mystical land of Pradin, that there was once a king so cruel and so evil that even the gods feared him. Since no prison could hold him, he was thrown alive into a crucible of molten iron. There his demonic spirit was captured in the form of a great black cauldron. For uncounted centuries the black cauldron lay hidden. Waiting while evil men search for it, knowing whoever possessed it would have the power to resurrect an army of deathless warriors and with them rule the world. Wait a minute, this sounds scary. Uh, kind of, actually. Ugh,
0: I Sorry, don't know George. if I want to Sorry. finish this one. Um, <laughs> okay, so if you ask anyone what their favorite animated Disney film is, and you'll get the usual suspects. Snow White, Beauty and the Beast, The Little Mermaid, The Lion King, and so on and so on. But there's one film that's often forgotten, or kind of purposefully left out of the Walt Disney Company's long list of films, mostly because of its long list of problems and the fact that it's almost single-handedly killed Disney animation. But there is a core group of people, us included, that do enjoy the film for what it was and are extremely interested in the story behind it, and that film is none
1: other than The Black Cauldron. Like most Disney films, The Black Cauldron was based on another story, but with a slight Disney spin on it. You know, the film uh, began as a book series called The Chronicles of Praden by Lloyd Alexander. And the books were optioned by the company in 1971, and throughout that entire decade of the 70s, you know, the books were kind of used as a, uh, a means to recruit prospective animators to the company to, to work on the film. And at the time, it was viewed as the kind of the modern-day Snow White, you know, something in which a new generation of animators would create a new masterpiece and live on as an animation classic. So, but during the 1970s, Ron Miller, who was Walt's son-in-law and the studio chief
0: felt that the animators were not quite ready to take on the film. He kept delaying production of The Black Cauldron. Eventually, Don Bluth, who was their star animator, got frustrated with all the delays and left the company in 1979, taking 13 other animators with him. To fill in the gap, some of the old guard came in, along with some new recruits from CalArts, such as John Lasseter and Tim
1: Burton. Never heard of them. No, never. Who are they? So in 1981, Disney finally moved forward with The Black Cauldron. And initial reports suggested it may be, be uh, been uh, because Blue's first film away from Disney, uh, The Secret of Nymph, was going into production. And on top of that, you know, Disney was kind of stepping out of their usual bounds a little bit. You know, they were trying to lure all those bored teenagers in with this new film, so they decided on a, you know, a decidedly darker tone and it was a major gamble, but they forged ahead with this darker swords and sorcery epic film. The name of the film came from the book series' actual second book.
0: The plot itself came from elements from the first two books and combined them into one really big story. And on top of that, the major villain, the Horned King, was actually a very minor villain that is killed off in the first book, but he was given a starring role in the film. And why did they pick him as the villain? Well, Joel Hale, or Joe Hale, who was the producer of the film, explained that, quote, We thought that the Horned King would make a good animation character mainly because he had horns sticking out of his head. End quote. Sounds like a good enough reason to me.
1: <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Corporate decision-making. <laughs> Wonderful. So, the Horned, King, the Horned King is chasing the Black Cauldron to raise an army of the Cauldronborn, which are basically zombies by today's standards. And though most of Disney films are adapted from fairy tales or books, uh, they do take, you know, certain liberties with how they tell the stories so to make them better for the screen. And when the back Black Cauldron was made, they took, you know, slightly fewer liberties. They just jumbled some elements together from all the different books, and this may have given it this very chaotic feel when it finally appeared on screen.
0: But, you know, going back to Disney trying to uh, harken back to their olden, golden days of animation, they planned on a few gimmicks to try to make the film successful. They really wanted it to be a grand work of animation, one that would live on for years. So, for starters, they decided it would be the first Disney film actually filmed in 70mm widescreen since Sleeping Beauty. It also boasted a six-track Dolby soundtrack and the first computer animation ever in a Disney
1: film. Hang on now. Let's get a little bit crazier. Uh oh. This is where things get a little nuts. Okay. They also planned on a cauldron born sequence that would have projected holographic deathless swordsmen right into movie theaters. Wow. That's insane. So the idea was that during the scene where the very first Cauldron Born emerged, the holographic uh, projection system would click on. And on the screen, you know, this undead warrior would emerge in three dimensions and appear to emerge over the audience's heads. And it would have been awesome. Yes, it would
0: have. So while initial tests of this process sort of went extremely well, the problem, as always is, was in the cost. So creating a hologram program system for movie theaters across the nation would have been way too much money. And since the film was already years behind in development due to Ron Miller pushing it off, it was already well
1: over its projected budget. And on top of that, during its five years in production, the project simply just overwhelmed the entire animation department. You know, the problems with it just kept coming up as well. The new widescreen layout charts that were created for the 70mm format apparently didn't match the ones used for Sleeping Beauty. You know, in fact, according to uh, Mike uh, Perez, one of the animators, he only noticed the issue after everyone had been drawing the scenes at the (laughs) wrong dimensions uh, for weeks. So it's weeks of work that were totally messed up.
0: You guys are drawing in the eighth dimension again. Stop oh, it. Oh, no. Stop it. Um, so in 1982, there was also a 10-week animator strike, which set everything even further behind schedule. By the final weeks of production, some had been quoted as saying anyone who could hold a brush was given lessons in cell painting and set to work.
1: Which makes me think the janitors probably had a big hand in that. Yeah, because, you know, brushes are basically small mops, right? Exactly. That's what I thought you were going for. There you go. Another crushing blow came in the fall of 1984, just a few months away from the Black Cauldron's holiday release. Ron Miller was ousted as the chairman of the company, only to be replaced by our BFF, Michael Eisner. And at the time, both Eisner and Jeffrey Katzenberg, who Eisner picked as uh, the studio uh, head, at the time, neither of them really cared that much about the animation division. Obviously, they changed their tune later on, but back then, things were a little bit different.
0: Yeah, in fact,
1: Katzenberg hated The
0: Black Cauldron. When he saw the initial cut, he basically freaked out. He was afraid the film would get an R rating for its dark and extremely violent tone. Blood and Scary Monsters were not Disney's usual MO, but it was here in spades. Uh, Katzenberg wanted it re-edited with different footage used. Um, Joe Hale had to explain to him that in animation, unlike live-action films, there were no alternate takes since it was all made by
1: hand. The more you know. (laughs) That's just hilarious to me that he just didn't realize that.
0: Let's get some retakes. Um, Come on. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So, instead, Katzenberg told Hale to cut 10 minutes from the film to make it less scary and less violent. And when Hale refused, Katzenberg went into the editing room and began to do it himself, which makes a lot of sense considering he didn't know much about animation to begin with. (laughs) Um, So, much of the Cauldron-Born sequence was cut, amongst others. And when the new cut received a PG-13 rating, Katzenberg went at it again, making it cut down to a PG rating. However, most of the cuts were so clumsy that at one point, the music is interrupted in this mid-flourish, and it just sounds really weird. And other sequences were hastily rewritten and reanimated, just so it kind of made sense.
0: So something happened, though, when they cut out all the dark and violent scenes from the movie. It became disjointed. The scenes didn't really mesh together that well anymore. Uh, Animated films were once made using storyboards and not screenplays. This worked for the simple fairy tales, but when adapted to, uh, you know, a complicated narrative like the books and then cutting many things from it causes the film to
1: fall flat. And, you know, the movie, on top of the cuts and the violent story, had another thing going against it. Its characters. They were kind of dull. And the audiences and the critics, you know, they quickly realized that. And despite being, like, rich and full of life in the books, on the screen, that was not really fully realized. Uh, And even though uh, Princess... uh, I think it's Ilanui. Yeah, I think, I think so. Yeah. Uh, she was, you know, meant to be a new addition to the Disney Princess canon. She just didn't really connect with the audiences and was quickly forgotten. And the Horn King, while scary, <laughs> he doesn't really do much but sit on his throne and order all his lackeys around. So well, that's that's sort of on our five-year plan, isn't it? Yeah, that's true. That's a for fair point. us to have thrones and order lackeys. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We're almost to the five years, so we're to get on yeah, there. That. that's true.
0: We're still, we're still working on it, so okay. Well, in spite of all of the hard work that was put into the film, when it was released, it only earned $21 million. Uh, the budget itself was claimed to be $25 million, but those close to the production have said it was probably closer to $40 million. Uh, and unlike most Disney animated features at the time... The Black Cauldron was never re-released to theaters, due to its unpopular nature amongst theatergoers. It was only released to VHS in 1998,
1: after thousands of fans wrote to the company and asked for it to be made available for purchase. The last time it was re-released was uh, September 2010, for the film's 25th anniversary. And not much was added to the film, you know, except they got a better transfer and there was a deleted musical number with the Fair Folk. Uh, But to this day, Disney fans have not seen the full, uncut version of the film. And we will probably never get one because of how dark and unsuitable it is for family audiences. But, despite all that, you know, it's not a bad film. It obviously has its haters, uh, but there's a lot of good things to be found in it as well. You know, some of the amazing sequences uh, done by the uh, first-timers, the first feature animators, they're absolutely gorgeous and they really stand out, so it's pretty incredible looking.
0: Yeah, and some of the story points from the book translate quite well also. The three witches who guard the cauldron are still great, and despite its massive editing, the cauldron born sequence is still a fantastic piece of animation. It's, uh, it's gross, scary, yes it is, and even a lot of fun. I-, I mean, someone in the company must have continued to love the film since the Horned King served as, as the finale of Tokyo Disneyland's Cinderella Castle Mystery Tour from
1: 1986 until 2006. And in a lot of ways, despite almost completely destroying the animation division, The Black Cauldron saved it as well. Um, You know, once Katzenberg educated himself on Disney's long, long, long animated history, um, (laughs) he realized that animation really was the key to turning the company around and bringing it back to its success. And, you know, that said, he wanted it, you know, on his own terms, you know, cheap and fast. And the Black Cauldron's flop really gave Katzenberg an excuse uh, to remake the the way the studio worked and do it in his own way. Yeah, I had heard a rumor that um, Katzenberg did have access to the Swan Boat time
0: machine technology, but only to pull stuff from the future. Oh, really? And he was able to get almost all of our episodes of CommuniCore Weekly.
1: Wow, clever girl.
0: So that way was able to, that's how we got the in-depth history of the company.
1: Is, is that how, why we also wound up in that one scene in, in The Black Cauldron? Yeah, sh- sh- see if the cadets can find oh, it. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. It that mm-hmm. way. Right. So. Right.
0: Of course, so as Jeff was talking, um, the film did sort of work. And after that, we did have, or I mean, the, the rebirth of the animation. And we've had the renaissance of Disney films that we know and love today. And if it wasn't for Disney's 25th animated feature, The Black Cauldron, we would have never gotten any of them. Uh, despite all of its flaws... The Black Cauldron was truly ahead of its time. You know, it may not be perfect, but it's still a good film. And if you haven't seen it yet, do yourself a favor and finally check it out. Word. Check it out. Definitely. So uh, once you get a chance to watch it, or if you have some thoughts or opinions on The Black Cauldron, give us a call on the Communicore Weekly GOAT line at 424-785-4628. That's 424-785-GOAT. Goat. Mm. Here's another minute that you can't get back. the 60 second review. Okay, for this week's incredibly long 60 second review, we have a really uh, a new Blu ray release called the Walt Disney Short Films Collection. And I um, have to admit, I was kind of interested in watching it
1: and ended up being very excited about it once he- I watched most of them. I, actually, I did. You only watched most of them? Well, I watched all of them. But, okay, yeah. Yeah. I was just yeah. making sure. I'd go say I watch all of them, and even some of them I've seen previously in the theaters. Mm-hmm. But yep. it was great to see them again and rediscover them because, in some ways, I feel like these short films that play before the feature films—they're good, but they don't get as much love as they should because you know they're not in the public eye as much. Yeah. So it's great and, to have them on a disc.
0: Yeah, and even that we talked about. Them, there's twelve yes. in the collection, and we'll sort of go over them pretty quickly, but. Even, what was it, The uh, the Ballad of Nessie, TikTok Tale, Little Match Girl and Lorenzo were never released. Yes, They were yes. done
1: in-house. Um, so it was
0: good to see them finally oh, in some way. Fantastic works of art, and you can see how everything just grew yeah. from that. Um, I guess probably the one that most of the
1: younger generation is going to be interested right off the bat is Frozen Fever. It's it's on the cover of the Blu-ray, and it, you know, it's there yes. as a necessary evil, obviously, to sell more discs, yeah. but George and I were just discussing before we were recording the show, we should have saved it for you guys, but I'll say it again. I enjoy Frozen Fever yeah. much more than I enjoy Frozen. Yeah. I think it's a cute little film. It's what, like five minutes long? Yeah, it's just a short, yeah. It's adorable, and Martina thought that Elsa was blowing out snot bubbles, not little snowmen. <laughs> I have to admit, they really... It's
0: almost like they could have made the original Frozen a short, like a short reel, like a 30-minute. Yes. Because they basically got all the humor. You got some good song. You got a good song, two good songs in there.
1: And all the characters are there. So it's like, whoa, it's a little taste of Frozen, just what I need. Just in a little bit. Also, 99% sure she was not sick. She was just drunk. Just by the way she was asking. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. Yeah, that's a really good point. And plus,
0: you can never go wrong with more Kristen
1: Bell. Exactly. But we can't say your name anymore, so we'll move on to the next short film.
0: um Um, let's just go through them quickly
1: okay all right so next one
0: up is feast
1: feast yep i loved it little dog adorable winston winston yes
0: little dog gets to eat food and i actually
1: saw it at work in 3d which was kind of cool
0: that's right yeah that's right that i remember when you talked about that and i hated you for a while yeah um (laughs) so enjoyed feast it was cute i think a lot of people enjoyed it uh next one is get a horse and what's funny is when i read the title i couldn't remember what it was but to me, it's probably one of the two most impressive on the whole disc.
1: Yeah, abs- absolutely. Oh, right, yeah. I mean, if you if you don't know the backstory, we'll just say it's a lost uh, Mickey Mouse cartoon. If you, yes. if you do know the backstory, you'll understand how clever it actually is. Um, probably my favorite on the disc, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I think that was one of my favorite ones. Um,
0: and it was so enjoyable, so surprised to see what happens, and... They actually it's it's Walt Disney's voice is used is for it, Mickey's mouse voice. When I
1: was watching the credits I said, "Oh boy, it is Walt Disney's yeah, voice. That's awesome." I went,
0: "Oh boy." <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> Crap, now I got to pay Disney a dollar. Uh-huh. Dang
0: it. um okay, so next up is Paperman, which is an amazing short. So well done. The the directors talked about how they actually got light to come through these black and white drawings. Yeah, it was incredible gorgeous. process how they made it. Oh, so, so good. And Paper Man is just the guy who meets the girl, and she kisses a piece of paper,
1: and he makes paper airplanes and throws them at her. Yeah. There's a little we'll bit just, more than that, but that's Let's all. do this. before uh, Instead of just going through all of them <laughs> okay, one by okay. one, let's okay. just say this. Was there any you did not like in the rest of them? No, not at all. Not at all. Okay. I was surprised. Okay, yeah, because you're right, going over them. Um, Tangled Ever After was hysterical. Yes, agreed.
0: Ballad of Nessie was Neat. I love uh, the animation style of that one. Yes, and what's interesting, if you can catch it, the same people that did The Ballad of Nessie and Prep and Landing Operation Secret Santa, which was awesome as well, there is a hidden Nessie in there. There is. And my wife picked it up. I stepped and said, Oh, what is that? I paused and she goes, I don't know what that is. Is that Peach Dragon? Is that Elliot? That's awesome. No. I might have to go back and watch that one now. Yeah. Hidden Nessie. So that was good. Um, I-, I thought there were some really artistic ones. Like, TikTok Tale, Little Match Girl, and Lorenzo were
1: gorgeous and just almost like Destino. I I think it's worth mentioning that these short films come about as kind of like side projects for the Disney animators. You know, they pitch their ideas to John Lasseter, and he says, yes, go ahead and make that. So it's a good way to let their creativity soar and fly and do things they don't normally do in the feature animation, so... Yep. To me, these short films are important to the animation legacy, and that's why I'm, I'm glad that, that they're on the Blu-ray disc. Yeah, and
0: they look fantastic. They sound great. Yes. It gives you a little taste of all these different animators and what they're doing, and you can see how they, like you just said, they, they grow. Sort of like what Pixar did. They, yes. they do all yes, the shorts exactly. to grow their animators. Um, and I have to admit, I still loved How to got Your Theater. Yes. A you can't go wrong with a goofy short. Sure. Uh, goofy especially how to. because they reused old scenes from earlier goofy cartoons. Agreed. It was Agreed. great. So I think definitely pick up the Walt Disney Short Films Collection. It's, I 100% it's agree. A great addition to your library. And it's something you can get like a little taste of Frozen, which is all you really need.
1: Or, you know, little Frozen stop I mean, either either one. <laughs> they, were, <laughs> they were so cute. They really you were. Consider them. It's fine. It's fine. So yes, definitely get this Blu-ray. Yep.
0: Hello?
1: Hi, is this Sarah? Yeah! Hey Sarah, this is Jeff and George from CommuniCorp Weekly.
0: How are you, you?
1: should never have given us I mean, your telephone number.
0: <laughs> That's
1: what happens. Sarah, would you like to play impromptu random cadet cell phone Disney theme park trivia? Um, yes. That is, that is the best answer we could have hoped for. Because
0: I, I would have been like, no, I'm too nervous now. <laughs>
1: Just to remind you of the rules, we're going to ask you three questions. Easy, medium, and hard. And you get all three of them right, we will send you an awesome prize. Yes, I'm ready for this. All right, all right, here we go. We're going to go with the easy question first. You ready? Yeah. Okay. What type of creature is hiding in Expedition Everest? A Yeti. Ding, correct. You Uh, got it. I would have gone with a a T-monster. A T-monster? I would have also accepted a Disco Queen. A disco queen. <laughs> yes, a broken disco it's queen. Actually,
0: Donna Summers in there. Yes. Oh, 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 that might be the best thing I've heard all
1: day. <laughs> all right, wow. the medium question. Here we go. What attraction at the Magic Kingdom in Walt Disney World was the very first to be run by a computer? Ooh. Um oh, I could go lots of different ways with it that. Can. I can give you a hint if you'd like. Yeah. It's yeah, in want- Tomorrowland. Oh, it's in Tomorrowland? It's in Tomorrowland.
0: Um, wha- what's it? E- Space Mountain? Correct! <laughs> yes! Okay, yeah! You were person. so
1: unsure that I the had to give version. it to you
0: anyway. It was like Space Mountain?
1: <laughs> like,
0: Space oh, Mountain yes, people mover?
1: She's gone up four <laughs> octaves, ladies and gentlemen, so... Um <laughs> all right. This final one. Now the hard questions are pretty hard and you have to be a pretty crazy Disney fan to really get them, but I don't know. Great. Maybe maybe you will. <laughs> okay. okay. It's no longer there anymore, but when it was there, how tall was the sorcerer Mickey hat that I hated that was located in Disney Hollywood studios? Oh
0: my god. Oh. Um
1: See my answer would have been oh. it was too tall because you could
0: see it. <laughs> Okay. Mm. Well, we know I it's not think... one hundred ninety-nine feet. Was it? Wait. Okay. I know it's like in the hundreds, right? It is in the hundreds. Um. Okay. One twenty something.
1: You know what? I'm gonna um... give it to you. One twenty-two. One twenty-two. Yes. Wow. Oh my gosh. Congratulations. Yes. I'm Thank actually surprised. You. That was that was pretty impressive.
0: I'm not. She's a cadet. Am... Cadets the are brilliant. Are
1: Tough but yeah. fair. Oh Tough but God. fair.
0: Cadets are brilliant. It, you know, so, and actually, this is the reboot of the cell phone trivia, two guys on a phone at Disney thingy,
1: whatever we just did. Thanks for remembering the, the segment name, George. Yeah. Much appreciated. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice work. Nice work. I, I, yes. I well, congratulations. You're a winner.
0: Yes. Thanks,
1: guys. Thank you so much. Thank you for playing in Project Random Cadet Cell Phone Disney. Theme park trivia. The name I almost messed up again right there. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you might see it, sometimes you don't. Hey, look what's that? It's a like it goat. <laughs> so here's one that I just recently found out about myself. Uh, despite the fact that Fort Wilderness on Tom Sawyer Island in Disneyland is no longer open to the public, you know, you can still admire it from all the sides and, you know, even try to sneak a peek in between the wood um, the wood things there just to see what was inside. Here's the thing, though. Fort Wilderness was built from actual logs. I mean, real, live wood. Um, so the materials gave the fort an authentic look, obviously, but here, the interesting thing is, to tr- transport these full-size tree logs to the island, they are actually floated across the river, similar to the ways that logs were transported in old-fashioned wood mills. Um, but this wood actually required uh, a little extra care to protect it from all the elements and from termites. So, it's not as kept up as it used to be, but it's still pretty awesome. Um, and they still use the area as a changing room for phantasmic performers, but the fact that they floated all these logs across the river, just like in the olden days, I think that's a pretty neat little yes. tidbit.
0: And today, with a 3D printed them or
1: yes, yes. used giant cranes to sling them across. Yes, because everybody exactly. loves the magic crane at the Magic Kingdom. Yes, and speaking of magic, we're going to talk to you about our celebration! Hooray!
0: Um, this week, we've got another announcement about our year of a million or so limited-time cadets. Prize winner. Hooray! Yay, very excited. And this week we've got a fantastic Walt Disney World prize pack from Fairy Godmother Travel.
1: Yay, very excited. Hooray!
0: And this week's winner is Aaron M. from Lakewood, Washington.
1: Congratulations,
0: so, Aaron. Yes. And don't forget, you still have plenty of time to enter the contest. We've got some pretty spectacular things coming up for the end of the year. Yeah, we got some um, more weeks, many more yeah. weeks. Just email Communicore Weekly at gmail.com. Did you, you forget our also, email, George? No, I was going to say Communicore Weekly at fairygodmothertravel.com. Which I mean, they could do that also. To get great travel and help us out a little bit. Yeah. But email Communicore Weekly at gmail.com with your name, your address, and your birthday. So we can send you something special and we'll enter you into the drawing because, you know, way. the later you enter, the more competition you have.
1: That's true. That is true. So you guys should have entered months ago. So go ahead and get in the time machine, enter like four months ago and you're better off. I wonder if everybody has done that yet. Uh, probably. We'll I mean, never know. We've we'll got something know. like
0: that. We got that Zaphod Beeblebrox or something like that. I that hear he's running for it?
1: president of the galaxy. Yeah. And he probably wants to use us as a platform. Fair enough. Maybe he that's can. So. It's fine. Anyways, uh, we'd like to thank
0: Zaphod and everybody else for making it
1: to the end of another episode of Communicore Weekly. Yeah, please give us a rating on iTunes or if you watch the show on the YouTube, leave us a comment. Anywhere, just let us know what you think of the show. Yep, and you can always email us
0: at communicoreweekly at gmail.com to enter the contest,
1: check us, you know, send us something cool or just say, hey, sup, Corey. (laughs) You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash weekly. And follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope, because I know we'll be Periscoping from DragonCon. Heck
0: yes. Yes, we will. I'm always at Imagineerding, and he's always at Jeff
1: Heinbach. And of course, give us a call on the Communicore Weekly Goat line at 424-785-4628. And visit CommunicoreWeekly.Spreadshirt.com
0: to get some incredible T-shirts, including the Hatbox Ghost Whistle and flushing on our own terms shirt is which legitimately looks
1: like a plumbing company shirt <laughs> <it's> awesome. <laughs> is hilarious <laughs> and of course if you want your official cadet membership card or stickers send us a self-addressed stamped envelope to Communicore Weekly P.O. Box 432 Orange California 92856 and you can always visit patreon.com slash
0: Communicore Weekly and find out how you can help support the greatest online show
1: so for Jeff Heinbuck I'm George Taylor. And for George Taylor, I'm Jeff Heinbuck Thanks for listening, guys and gals. We'll see you next time on CommuniCore Weekly, the greatest online show.